Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter, and this is Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be continuing on with Chapter 6 of Polygamy in the Bible, The Promises of Abraham. We'll be on pages 41 to 53. We'll start with the reader program first, and then we'll get into the reading and commentary. The reader program is about 24 minutes long. Once we get into the reading and commentary, people with questions about polygamy can call in. The guest caller number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. Anyone with questions on theology can call in after the reading. Thank you for listening. The Promises of Abraham, Chapter 6 of Polygamy in the Bible, pages 41 to 53, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Genesis 18, 17-18, Abraham was not only a family man, but he was a prophet, a herdsman, an astronomer, and a soldier. He was notable and honorable in all that he did. His adventures as a soldier first came when his brother Lot was taken as a prisoner by the Babylonian soldiers. There were many different colonies or settlements in the region around Sedom where Lot dwelt, and they were often at war with each other. It was during one of these skirmishes that Lot fell captive. When Abraham heard of it, he gathered together an army of men, 318 of whom were his servants, and went out to recapture his brother. In a midnight surprise attack, Abraham demolished the armies of four famous Babylonian kings. It was in this warfare that he exemplified something of a military genius and dash which was merely another demonstration that God was with him. 42, it was a total victory by slaughter. Abraham recaptured his brother Lot, and his goods, land, the women also, and the people. The king of Sodom went to meet Abraham to thank him, and so did Malchizedek, the king of Salem. Now Malchizedek brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God, and he blessed Abraham. The king of Sodom asked Abraham only for a return of his people. He could keep all the goods as a reward for rescuing the people. But Abraham said he had made an agreement with God that he would not keep a thread or a shoe latch that belonged to someone else. 
After this the Lord came again to Abraham in a vision and said, Abraham, I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward. Later the Lord and two angels came visiting with Abraham, and had dinner with him. But it was not just a social visit. The Lord told him what was about to happen to the city of Sodom. The city had become so corrupt that it was going to be destroyed. Abraham was sent to warn them and to try to save the righteous. Thus, he became a missionary. In all of these commandments from the Lord, Abraham was valiant. Because of his faithfulness to the Lord, he received more promises and blessings. Some of these were as follows. 1. All the land which thou seest, I will give you. 2. And to thy children I will give it forever. 3. If a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Divine messages from God to Abraham were often delivered through the medium of heavenly angels. See Genesis 22, 1-19, but it was his eagerness to keep the commandments of God that brought him into 43, a personal relationship with God. This became such an intimate relationship that God often spoke to him face to face. There was no mistake about who was helping and blessing and teaching Abraham, because we read that it was the Lord God Most High, Maker of heaven and earth. Genesis 14.22 The New Testament writers confirm these manifestations of God to Abraham by writing that the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham. Acts 7.2 This indicates that Abraham was a prophet of God in every sense of the word. He made no serious errors in his lifestyle. So it was written that the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Plural marriage was not limited to just Abraham, his family and his children. Abraham's brother, Nahor, had a wife Milcash who bore him eight children, see Genesis 22-20-23, and also a concubine who bore him four more children. From this plural marriage came Rebekah who married Isaac unto whom the promises to Abraham were also given. We also read that Abraham had another wife named Keturah, Genesis 25, 1. Some people contend that Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham for the purpose of having a son who would continue his lineage. Why, then, did she keep giving him more wives after he already had a son by Hagar? We also read that Abraham gave gifts to the sons of their concubines, which Abraham had. No number of his concubines was given. It is very difficult to believe that Abraham was such a spiritual man yet had not the gospel. Many ministers today can't accept the fact that the gospel and polygamy could possibly have any connection or affiliation with each other. But that is not so, 44, according to the New Testament writers. We read that M- the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Galans 3, 14 and 
the law and faith were hid by Abraham so he and his seed could receive the promises by obedience through righteousness. See Rom. 4, 12-24 But, expressed more clearly in dash, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying that he shall all nations be blessed. Galans. 3, 8 Even Jesus recognized the spirituality of Abraham when he said, Abraham rejoiced to see him by day, and he saw it and was glad. John 8:56. Now if Abraham saw and rejoiced in Christ, talked with God face to face, had the gospel preached unto him, had the law and faith, then by being a polygamist, he must either have rejected God's word, or else God's word included polygamy. The only reasonable conclusion is that God didn't condemn a man for having a plurality of wives. Furthermore, it must be the same gospel if the Christians are supposed to be rewarded in heaven by sitting down with his polygamous Abraham. It must be the same gospel if the Christians will feel honored to be adopted into the family of Abraham and to be called his children. If Christians are supposed to have the same faith, the same re 45 penance, the same justification, the same sanctification through the Holy Ghost, the same worthiness, beholding the same angels, talking and praying to the same God, it must be the same gospel. It is interesting to compare the promises God made to the polygamists and those made to the monogamists and dash even if they are in the same family. The case of Isaac, son of Abraham, is a good example. What shall we say of Isaac? Isaac had but one wife, and it is worthy of a special notice, yes, a special notice, that but little space in the Bible is devoted to his life and memory, compared to those of Abraham and Jacob, both of whom were polygamists. God changed the names of both Abraham and Jacob, and gave them more honorable names, but Isaac's name was never changed. And while God promised Abraham and Jacob that because of their own service and faithfulness, he would bless and prosper them and their descendants, no such promise was ever made to Isaac. But every time, God promised to bless Isaac and his seed, because of Abraham's obedience. This reminds us of the wealthy gentleman who said to a poor widow, Your mother was a friend indeed to me, and now I want to say to you, when you or your children need food or clothes, let me hear from you, and you shall have them for your mother's sake. Why did God discriminate between Isaac and the polygamists? He does nothing without a good reason. Well, the first commandment ever given to man was, be 46, fruitful, multiply and replenish the earth. And this commandment had been twice repeated. Although Isaac had been an exceptionally good man, he did not multiply like Abraham and Jacob, and hence the preference shown the polygamists. Marriage, or, the Bible and polygamy, Rev. Summers, 1886, p. 19. Abraham is considered to be a great prophet, a friend of God, and the father of a royal bloodline. Consider, then, 
the following list of items that establish him as an exemplary man of righteous principles, showing that God must have approved of his polygamous life. 1. The Bible honors the names of the polygamists more than it does the celibates or monogamists. Abraham was one of the foremost polygamists so honored in the Bible that his name was mentioned nearly 400 times. 2. Abraham was honored by Jesus Christ more than any other ancient prophet. For example, he said that at 31, Abraham went to heaven. See Matt 8, 11, Luke 13, 28, Luke 16, 22-31. This would not be so if polygamy were a sin. Most ministers today class polygamy as a sin, but Jesus and his apostles never identified it as such. 24. Abraham possessed an exceedingly great faith in God and in his commandments. See Rom. 4, 1-22. Galens. 3, 6-9. Heb. 11, 8-10. James 2.21-24 Abraham could not have had such great faith in God if he has been a sinful man. Sin destroys 47 faith. It is by obeying the laws of God that men develop faith in God. Since all of the prophets and disciples of Christ have referred so often to Abraham's faith, it is evident that he was very obedient to the laws and commandments of God. 3. God honored Abraham and his family when he said, I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. Genesis 17, 2. No monogamist has ever received such a promise. 4. Abraham is honored by more people in the world today than any other ancient prophet. New Testament writers also honored him, Abraham was a friend of God. 2 Crone 27 James 2.23 Abraham had great faith. Rom 4 1-22 Galens 3 6-9 Heb 11 8-10 James 2.21-24 Abraham was to be highly regarded by his descendants. Matt 3, 9 Luke 13, 16 John 8, 40 Abraham received a divine call from God. Acts 7, 2-3 Heb 11, 8 Abraham received God's priesthood. Heb 7, 1-10, Abraham made a covenant with God. Luke 1, 73, Rom. 4, 13, Galens. 3, 6, 5. The Apostle Paul honored the children and descendants of the polygamist Abraham and understood that the promises of God would be given to them. See Rom. 9. 4-14, 6. 
the children of Abraham are the seed of the covenant people of God. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Gallons. 3, 7, those who have 48, faith in the gospel are the children of the polygamist Abraham. 7. Paul could give no greater recognition to the disciples of Christ, nor to the honor of Abraham, than when he wrote, And if he be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Gallons. 3, 29, 8. Through Abraham's faithfulness, his name was changed from Abraham to Abraham, which means, father of many nations. Genesis 17, 5, 9. God said to polygamist Abraham, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Genesis 15, 5, See also Genesis 13, 16. 10. God promised Abraham's children, in polygamy, that they would receive lands and possessions for an everlasting possession, and also said, I will be their God. Genesis 17, 8, 11. God respected the polygamist Abraham because he was always communing with Abraham. Genesis 18.33, 12. God did not curse Abraham for his other wives. Instead he blessed them. Hagar was told, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. Genesis 16.10, 13. The polygamist relationship did not reflect any sin or cursing upon Abraham's children because God told him that I will make thee exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of thee and kings shall come out of thee. Genesis 17, 6, 49, 14 Even the angels of heaven honor Abraham and his wives in their polygamist family relationship when family troubles arose and Hagar left home, an angel came to her and told her to return to that polygamous home. Genesis 16, 9, 15. An angel of God gave a blessing and a promise to Hagar if she was continue living in polygamy. He promised her a son and even told her what to name him. The name of that son was Ishmael, which means, the Lord hath heard thy affliction. Genesis 16:11. If her polygamy were a sin, neither the angel nor God would have sent her back into that sin again. 16. Sarah, who encouraged Abraham to take a second wife, was also remembered by the Lord and was blessed with a son for promoting the polygamist relationship. Although Sarah was barren, God blessed her with a child in her old age of 90 years. Genesis 21. Two, after she had given Hagar to Abraham. 17. God withheld no blessings from Sarah for her part in that polygamist marriage, for he said, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Genesis 17:16, 18. 
God did not put a curse on Sarah's son Isaac for being born in polygamy. Rather, he blessed Isaac and all of his children after him. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. Genesis 17 19, 50, 19. Ishmael, the second wife's son, was also blessed of the Lord. God said, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. Genesis 17 20, 20. Abraham realized that God was certainly blessing his polygamist family. Although many ministers today still can't see it. So Abraham added more wives to his family. He next took Keturah to wife and God blessed the marriage by giving him more children by the names of Zimran, and Jokshim, and Madar, and Midian, and Ishbag, and Shra. Genesis 25, 1, 21. Abraham kept taking more wives, and the Lord kept giving him more blessings. It is written that, the house of the wicked shall be overthrown, but the tabernacle of the upright shall flourish. Proof. 14, 11, was Abraham an exception? Or did God bless him and accept his polygamous lifestyle? 22. Jesus never condemned Abraham for any sin. If his polygamy was sinful, Jesus would have mentioned it. On the contrary, the Savior recognized that Abraham lived so righteously that men would be honored to be with him in heaven. I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in the kingdom of heaven. Matt. 8, 11, 23. Why did Christ select a polygamist as an example for Christians to sit down in heaven with? Why use a polygamist as one of the choice features of heaven if his lifestyle was sinful? 51, 24. Besides the story of Abraham's life in Genesis, he is mentioned by many different Old Testament and New Testament writers. All of them knew of his polygamist family, yet they all spoke respectfully of him. 25. Jesus is identified as a son of Abraham, Matt. 1, 1, and God identified himself as that God of Abraham. Matt. 22, 32, yet, Jesus exhorted his disciples to following the lifestyle of polygamist Abraham when he said, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. John 8.39 Hence, all those who do not recognize the God of polygamist Abraham and Jesus, who is his descendant, will probably be among those where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, when you shall see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. Luke 13 28, 
Now either Christ didn't understand what heaven is going to be like or else our modern Bible preachers aren't. Because they will tell you that polygamists are not going to heaven. It will certainly be a disappointment for many of these modern divines to get to heaven and see all these polygamists there. No wonder they will be weeping and wailing and gnashing their teeth when they see Abraham and other polygamists there, and they themselves be cast out. The Lord had appeared to Abraham many times and designated him as the father of the faithful and a friend to God, but he was a polygamist. We must assume that God either approved of his plural marriages, or else Abraham concealed it so cleverly that God never found out about it. But, we know, 52, that his polygamy was clearly written down for all succeeding generations to read about, to study, and to follow as an example. It doesn't take years of theological study to learn the reason why. In fact, most divinity colleges can't or won't give any reason for so much polygamy in the Bible. When God appeared to Moses, he identified himself as the God who had appeared unto Abraham. X. 6. 3. When David prayed to receive answers, he prayed to the God of Abraham. 1. Chrome. 29. 18. No wonder these ministers of today have so many different churches, all contending against each other, with so many different doctrines and dash they are praying to the wrong God. Abraham has occupied a significant and unique place throughout the world for nearly 4,000 years. To the Jews, he is the father of their nation. To the Islamic world, he is regarded second only to Muhammad himself. The Quran contains 188 references to Abraham. To the Christians, he is regarded as a man of the greatest faith and they genealogically trace Jesus as the descendant of Abraham. Matt 1, 1, God, 2, spoke very highly of him, by saying, For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord, to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Genesis 18:19. The salvation or damnation of a family depends upon how it is governed. If the head of a family is 53, the man of God, then his influence is felt by his wife or wives and their children. Even those who may visit them will be affected by that influence. Such a man is worthy of a family. He is the right to rule his family so that they will be an honor to him and an honor to God. A man like that is more worthy of five, ten or fifty wives than a wicked man is worthy of one. God seemed to think so, and so must we. 54 So that's the end of the reader portion of the program. We'll get into the commentary portion of the program now. Anyone with questions on polygamy can call in. The guest call in number is 917-889-8827.
That's 917-889-8827. Anyone with questions about theology can wait till the end of the commentary portion of the program. Fundamentally Mormon goes live Monday through Friday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. or until we're finished. Let's get into the reading. Thank you for listening. Okay, so we're going to do the commentary portion of the program. I uh, did not go to work tonight because I started having these sneezing fits last night when I was driving. And I, when I got home this morning, my nose started running like a sieve and I started getting sick and my daughter started getting sick and my son Emmett who is on the line hi Emmett hello he had already been tested for Omicron so we went down and got tested and both myself and my daughter have COVID so Um, I was going to work all the way up until the point where I decided that uh, I needed to stick near a bathroom and I'm not going to have to, (laughs) I'm not going to explain myself other than I would have worked if it was just a head cold, but uh, it's getting worse. So anyway, um, my wife is going to pick up some stuff to help out with things. So she's not on right now, but Emmett is in the office downstairs I'm in the bedroom upstairs and uh, luckily I have vacation days that I am required to use for when I get sick which really sucks because I want to do things vacation days not be sick but I don't know I might just get to the point where I'm just tell them I'm going to be a part-time driver and if they can't handle that then maybe I'll just go work for a different company. I really like where I work, and I like the benefits, but if I'm going to be sick and I choose not to use vacation days, uh, I think that should be my choice. But the boss, the owner of the company, said, well, it's policy, and I'm all like, well, you make the policy. So, And I just told him I'm grateful that I have a week of vacation that I can use. Because he didn't have to give that to me. Uh, he gave it to me way early. And he's a really good boss. I really respect him. When I worked for the other company that I worked for, um, for four years, um, we shared the same wor- uh, yard because uh, my old boss and my new boss are cousins. And... Uh, we shared the same shop, and I always saw him, like, doing all of his, you know, working on the equipment and doing things, and he's always putting his time and effort into his company, and um, I just really respect him. I think, uh, I think he's a, a decent, fair individual, and I'm really happy to be working for him, <clears throat> but... uh I just feel like I'm trapped, you know, and maybe I should 
you feel that way because, you know, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to lose out on money, but, uh, but I'm having to use my vacation days for being sick. So, and this happened last year too. I hurt my back and uh, I couldn't even walk for like a week. And uh, I had to use my vacation days last year. And then luckily we get 10 extra days that are just not paid. Um, but, you know, if I get sick, then I don't know. It's I've been pretty good with not being sick for a while. Anyway, Kim is unmuted. I don't hear her. She might have her headset. I muted, muted my mic for a minute because you were talking, so. Uh, okay. Can you hear me, though? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm headed back to you oh. with all of the things, so that's good. Uh, Kim already had Delta, we think, and we're pretty sure she had Omicron like two weeks ago because uh, she got really sick and couldn't um, drive home. I had to go get her because she was too dizzy and whatever. Yeah, yeah I feel but, like I was going to pack out. But that was just like a couple weeks ago, um, right before we had a four-day break, actually, from school, so that was kind of convenient. And um, I actually was just telling the lady at the pharmacy right over there, um, I was just telling her that I was like, well, I'm pretty sure I had it like two weeks ago because I was in um, town and I was getting uh, groceries or stuff for my daughter's birthday, but... I just felt so tired and sick, and I just felt like I was going to pass out. So I called my husband, and I told him to come out and drive me home because I was like, I can't do this. I thought I was going to do it. I can't do it. And then um, so he came out, and he um, was just going to, you know, pick me up, and we were going to leave the car. And I was like, well, could you give me a blessing? So then he said yes, and then he gave me a blessing, awkward as it may have been. And he, well, I didn't uh, give it to you right away. I prayed about it, and yes. God told me to do something really surprising. Did not expect yes. this. <laughs> yeah, he so he um, sit on his hands, and he consecrated that. So uh, that was super interesting. But um, also, in the blessing, told me to keep a prayer in my heart uh, for the next twelve hours, and so. Um, I know that God knows me super well. I have ADD, like ridiculous, and it's hard for me to focus, just focus, you know, and it's not even, not even an hour or so, but I, I have a really bad focus. So trying to focus really hard on, on keeping a prayer in my heart for the 12 hours was something that I really did work hard at. And actually it made me, um, it kind of made me feel like, I wanted to be more like this all the time. I wanted to strive to stay, um, you know, not just like with a prayer in my heart, but Christ-centered more often. Not Because a lot of the things they do, you know, my job or my family doing all the things I do, it's like it's so trying that I'm constantly pulled in one direction or the other. But um, I feel like a lot of things I do find, um, you know, spiritual or I find, you know, I try to find the celestialized way of thinking of things mostly. I know that might sound weird, but, but I do. And I try to see the purpose, like God's purpose. I try to see his hand in all things. 
So this was kind of just another way to help me to do that and to see what it was that he wanted me to do. And I feel like maybe that was, um, it was just another um, way of teaching me, like the next step of what, what I need to be working on more. And so a lot of times uh, Mark wants us to help on the radio show, and I'm always like, I can't because I have to do this and I have to do that. And he knows, like, he, believe me, he knows how busy I am. It's ridiculous. But, um he, uh, you know, and he's very understanding, but I didn't want to just have to do the radio show or just have to help him with reading or, or teaching. I didn't want it to be like the past to thing. I wanted it to be a want. I want to do this. I want to be there and I want to know more and I want to understand uh, more of God's hand in all things and his purpose. And so I kind of took that own, my own, um, challenge and he doesn't know about this yet actually he has no idea that I was even going to say this because I didn't know I was going to tell everybody either but um since then I've been trying to be more um more steadfast in um my own way of trying to help I know that it's not my calling to be um you know preaching to the world that I did not get called to do that however I am called to be his healthy and I do try to help him out in every way possible whether it is, you know, spiritually or other, I just try to be helpful. So, um, and I know that he knows that. So I'm trying to be more, I feel like it would help me and maybe him. If I was more centered, um, maybe, and wanting to um, do the readings or do the stuff, like making it my more of my priority to do that. Um, because, you know, everything can get done and everything should be in moderation. And I feel like I'm not very moderate when it comes to, uh, my my job and my family chores because I feel like I do that more than I do, um, you know, reading and and uh, studying for God. So I'm trying to be more moderate, and I don't think it's going to change overnight, but I have been keeping a prayer in my heart, and I have been trying to have a higher understanding of what I feel like it is my calling to help um you know, not not just my husband, but my family and, and the people around me. So, um, anyways, I did uh, let this lady know in person that I just met, um, and um, she helped, her reaction helped me to understand that it is important for people to hear this because um, a lot of times I do take it for granted um, that my husband, um, you know, does hold priesthood of God and was um, given it uh, of the Father. And sometimes I just take it for granted. And um, I think that I should um, maybe rededicate myself and uh, maybe my time in trying to help out a little bit more with that and with my own testimony. So um, anyways, was when I was just there and in person, I let this lady know that my husband had given me this blessing. Uh, because I did feel like I was going to pass out, and I just could not, I couldn't even bring myself to drive any further. I was I was just at the market, and I was like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't drive any further. I cannot pick up balloons for my daughter's birthday. I, I couldn't do anything else. And so I called him and asked him to please come out and help me because I couldn't drive home. So like the amazing person he is, he did drop everything. He said yes, that he would come out, and he would get me. So he came out there. But when he got there, I did ask him, um, it, it had just occurred to me, I think the spirit was whispering to me and telling me, ask him to give you a blessing. And so I did, and like, um, as he would, because he's uh, so uh, spiritual and he listens to the spirit, 
he said, you know, absolutely that he would. And anytime I've ever asked him, he always, he is more than happy to um, oblige and not just oblige, but go above and beyond and do what it is that he knows um, he was called to do. So, um, and he's more than willing to give not just me and my family blessings, but anyone who um, is, you know, needing that spiritual guidance or that help. He, he's just very helpful. So anyways, he did give me the blessing. It was kind of strange because he had, you know, prayed about it and God told him to consecrate his own spit on his hands because we didn't have um, oil. I mean, we could have walked into the store and gotten some, um, you know, olive oil or something. But um, so God told him to do that. So he did. And um, I was absolutely certain that that is fine because I feel like God always um, works in mysterious ways. And I've never put him inside a box um, of, of the things that he is, you know, even in the realm of possibilities that could happen when God asks you to do something. Anyway, so he gave me the blessing. And in the blessing, he told me to, you know, keep prayer in my heart. Yeah, for the next 12 hours, and so I did that. Also, um, it completely just uh, went out of my mind. I completely forgot that I was even that sick just a couple weeks ago. And so to me, I was like, yeah, the last time I was sick, it was more than 90 days, or it was like right at 90 days. I think it's 90 days on Thursday or something. Anyway, um, and so because it was, you know, that long ago um, before, and I remember being that sick um, before, but um, this time I hadn't gone to the doctors or gotten any other help. I didn't take um, any other prescriptions. But I do know that by the time we finished running our errands, after he had given me the blessing, and I had kept a prayer in my heart even when we were walking through the store, which is so hard for me with ADD. I'm telling you, I can get sidetracked on anything, as you can probably tell from this whole um, talking point and this testimony that I'm giving you right now. Um, I really can get off on a tangent. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so I'm in the store. I was really trying to focus, keep a prayer in my heart. And by the time we were done um, picking up the cake, uh, the balloons, the decorations, um, the gifts, um, I think that's, uh, you know, and then dinner, uh, I actually had felt a lot better. He drove. I, you know, we left my car where it was at, and he drove um, around, and I, you know, just took a deep breath and, Got in, you know, went to the store with him and walked around, held his hand a little bit. That was our daughter's birthday party that night. Yeah, it was, yeah, our daughter's birthday. So we needed, I, you know, we needed to get this done. She was turning seven, you know, and she's so old, but (laughs) she's just our little girl. So, yeah, we, um, yeah, so we did that. We uh, walked around, and when I was, when I was finished, um, when we were finished getting everything, I said, you know what, I feel way better and I I can go and drive home sorry somebody else is calling me um so anyways I was like oh I feel way better so um I he actually drove me back over to my vehicle and then I picked up the pizzas for dinner and then I drove home so um it was it wasn't even a matter of 12 hours it was less than that and I had felt so much better incredibly better um, I still did keep a prayer in my heart, and I actually have tried to do that for, um, you know, since then, which has been a few weeks. But, um, I was more dwelling on the fact that I've been trying to um, rededicate myself and set new goals for myself without being asked or prompted, which is why I have no idea what you guys were talking about on the radio show before I got on. But I just felt like I needed to say that or tell that because I did let this lady know at the pharmacy, and she was just her face lit up and she was just like that is such a great testimony you know and she was like 
thank you for telling me that, you know, and she's like, that is so sweet, you know, she was, you know, she doesn't know who my husband is, doesn't know, you know, him from the next person, but she does know how it made her feel when I told her about my experience that I had had with my husband, and so um, I feel like I needed to share that also on the radio show right now tonight, because um, I feel like that is a testimony, and even I shouldn't just be all nonchalant about it, but you know, he did that for me. I'm so grateful, and God, um, through him, uh, helped me and healed me very quickly. I didn't even have that bad of a go. It was, you know, it was coming down to that point. I feel like we're all like that a little bit. It We get sick, and whether it's not like a spiritual sickness or physical sickness, but we get sick, and we let it go so far. That's what we do. We just we're like, it's okay, it's okay, I can do this, I can handle that, I've got this. But when we get far enough, what, what God does is he brings us down to where we will ask for help and where we ask for forgiveness or we ask for healing. And, and I feel like sometimes if we would ask quicker, we would be, um, we wouldn't be, you know, fighting so much. We wouldn't be having to... Um, be sick so much we wouldn't have to you know feel all the pain that we do down here because he is capable capable he is very capable of helping and healing us in so many different ways and we just need to ask so that whole experience um as you can tell was actually very spiritual for me and it was just very helpful um to me and i hope that you know that whole story and testimony helps other people too um and makes you um, you know, think about it, step back and think about your own life and what is it that you need to ask God for? What is it that you need help with? And just admitting that you do need that help and you would like that help and that healing and maybe that you just need um, need to be brought down to the level where you're willing to ask, where you're willing to be humbled enough to, um, you know, ask ask God to help you and help you to know what to do or even, you know, ask uh to be rededicated to rededicate yourself and and he will lead you to um who can help you do that and if that is with us or right here that's great too if it's my husband then that's great sorry i feel like i talked so much about everything and i don't know what you were talking about before <laughs> it's fine i was just talking about how we got covid and uh, i think it's interesting like the first time you got covid um, I gave you a blessing and you were like better the next day. <clears throat> and then you got whatever it was that you yeah, got. Yeah, it wasn't even really next day. It was like 4 a.m. A couple hours. It was just like really yeah. quick. Yeah, 4 a.m. And I was like, okay, I'm fine. Let's do this. <laughs> well, um, tonight we're going to be talking about the promises of Abraham. Uh, we're going to read chapter 6 of Polygamy in the Bible. We're on pages 41 through 53. I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish this because it's like 12 pages, I guess. Okay. I can probably help you finish that many pages. Yeah, I know. When you get home, you will uh, probably. I am home right now. I need people people to come and do the thing so that I can get out. And then um, let me call back really quick uh, your friend from work. He called in. I'm just going to make sure he didn't need anything. And I will be right back on the radio show.
Okay, and Emma, you heard mom, so go out and help her. I will do the reading since I'm just laying in bed and I can do that and I'm not driving tonight. Okay. So, that sounds right. good. I'll be listening in in just a minute. Okay. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by him. Genesis chapter 18, verses 17 and 18. Abraham was not only a family man, but he was a prophet, a herdsman, an astronomer, and a soldier. He was notable and honorable in all that he did. His adventures as a soldier came first, and his brother Lot was taken as prisoner by Babylonian soldiers. I thought Lot was his nephew. I'm pretty sure he was his nephew, but whatever. Okay, so we're just going to keep reading it. There are many different colonies or settlements in the region around Sodom where Lot dwelt, and there were often they were often at war with each other. It was during one of these skirmishes that Lot fell captive. When Abram heard of it, he gathered together an army of men, 318 of whom were his servants and went out to recapture his brother. At a midnight surprise attack, Abraham demolished the armies of four famous Babylonian kings. It was in this warfare that he exemplified something of a military genius, which was merely another demonstration that God was with him. Fundamentally, oh, let me see here. Okay, so we're on page 42. It was a total victory by slaughter. Abraham recaptured his brother Lot and his goods, lands, and women also, and the people. And the king of Sodom went to meet Abraham to thank him, and and so did Melchizedek, who is Shem, the king of Salem. Now Melchizedek brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest for the Most High God. He was the Melchizedek or the the king and the priest, and he blessed Abraham, or Abram. The king of Sodom asked Abram only for a return of his people, but he could keep all the goods as a reward for rescuing the people. But Abraham said he had made an agreement with God that he would not keep a thread or a shoe latchet that belonged to someone else. After this, the Lord came again to Abram in a vision and said, Abram, or Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Real quick, um, this might seem ridiculous to some people, but I tell my kids, if it doesn't belong to you and nobody gave it to you, you leave it where it is because somebody might come back and get it. It might be a penny or a dime or whatever. Like, if you didn't get it because somebody gave it to you or you didn't get it because you bought it legally, <laughs> then it doesn't hurt you. I don't care how small a value you might think it is. It's just the principle of the matter. Um, anyway, so let's see here. Later, the Lord had two angels come visiting with Abraham 
and had dinner with him, but this was not just a social visit. The Lord told him that was what was about to happen to the city of Sodom. The city had become so corrupt that it was going to be destroyed. Abraham was sent to warn them and to try to save the righteous. Thus he became a missionary. In all of these commandments from the Lord, Abraham was valiant. Because of his faithfulness to the Lord, he received a more, pro- more promises and blessings, some of which are as follows. And before I get into that, this is one of the examples that I use, that Jesus and Jehovah are not the same person. So Abraham and the brother of Jared lived around the same time, and Jehovah, um, he came and visited Abraham with a body, and he actually sat down with Abraham and had a meal of meat and dairy with these other angels that came with him. Well, at the same time, Jesus is like, this is my spirit body. I've never appeared to man before on the earth. This is what I'll look like when I come in the flesh. And that was the first time to the brother of Jared or Mohan um, Moriankumar that that Jesus had appeared to anybody. Like before the flood, Jehovah had appeared to many people, and he walked face-to-face with Adam and Melchizedek, or not Melchizedek, Methuselah um, and Enoch. And he appeared before the flood that Jesus had during the time of the Tower of Babel, he says, I have not yet appeared to man on the earth. So, and that's in Ether chapter 3. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus also said, this is my spirit body, this is what I'll look like when I come in the meridian of time. But at the same time period, pretty much, Abraham sat down with Jehovah, or Jehovah, or Elohim, and two angels that had bodies and they had a meal of meat and dairy. And I think it's interesting that these two angels come before the resurrection for this earth, but they already have bodies. That's because they had received a resurrection from an older earth. So, and those things, you know, they can't be understood unless you understand what multiple mortal probations are. So, it's not reincarnation. It's something different, but anyway, I'm not going to get into that on this program. Anyway, so let's get into these. Some of these blessings and promises were, number one, all the land which thou seest I will give you. Number two, and to thy children I will give it forever. Number three, if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Divine messages from God to Abraham were often delivered through the medium of heavenly angels. See Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 19. But it was his eagerness to keep the commandments of God that brought him into a personal relationship with God. This became such an intimate relationship that God often spoke to him face to face. There was no mistake about who was helping and blessing and teaching Abraham because we read that it was the Lord God, or in Hebrew it would be uh, Yehovah Elohim or Yehovah Elohim Most High, Maker of heaven and earth. And that's in Genesis chapter 14, verse 22. Now, some of you may ask, 
Well, didn't Jesus say that he created all things? Well, in Hebrew, the word create means to organize. And if you know anything about the King Follett Discourse, Joseph Smith goes into great detail about what this all means. Jesus Christ organized the spirits. He did not create this earth. He organized the spirits that would come down on this earth. That was what he did. People get it mixed up all the time because they don't understand what these mean, these words mean in Hebrew. And it's just in fact, I was just talking to somebody. Somebody was flipping out about um, Abraham wasn't a polygamist. He wouldn't have committed adultery or something of that effect. And I was like, you don't even know what adultery means in Hebrew. You don't even know. And like these people that want to like interpret scripture by the light of their Gentile minds and twist things according to what they want them to be, they are teaching you false doctrine. And those people, whether they're good or bad, whether they've had spiritual experiences or not, are Judas goats. So, um, and the other thing too, and I brought this up the other day. So, Abraham was the father of Isaac, or Yitzhak, who was the father of Yaakov, or Jacob. Jacob was tricked into marrying Leah by Laban, her father, and but she really wanted, he really wanted to marry Rachel, which was his love, but, but she got tricked, he got tricked into marrying this first wife, and then she then uh, Yaakov or Jacob married Rachel, and then there was two other women, at least, that um, Abraham became a, a husband of. Now, if polygamy is adultery, which it is not, and I'm so sick and tired of hearing people yap about that because they don't know what they're talking about, but um, then every other child born to Rachel and those other two were bastards. And I'm sorry, but God blessed the 12 sons of Jacob or Israel, Jacob, as sons, not bastards. I'm sick and tired of hearing these people Jacob chapter 2 way out of context in the Book of Mormon because they don't like polygamy. I don't like talking about polygamy. I'm so sick and tired of arguing with people. So sick and tired of it. But I felt like we had to do this program, uh, this, read this book next, because so many people are trying to understand what polygamy is and try to say it's an abomination and it's a horrible sin. Well, like I told this other guy earlier today, God took me up in the spirit when I asked him what, uh, where he was before the Big Bang, I just wanted to understand. I was trying to make it all make sense in my mind, and God took me up in the spirit, an out-of-body experience. Now, I've had many of these out-of-body experiences. I never try to have them. God takes me, and I actually think it's a rest when it happens. I love it because my body hurts all the time because I was poisoned in the oil fields like 12 years ago, and then I've had other problems. But um, but when I'm out of my body and the spirit, it feels so nice not to have to have the density of my body and the pain 
that my body gives me all the time. But I, so I really enjoy these when God takes me up and he showed me a bunch of stuff. He showed me the war in heaven. He showed me where the intelligences were and what they are. He showed me that all the intelligences are eternal and all of the elements and the laws of the universe are eternal. And that when God, um, he, he took me to this place and there was this cloud of light in front of me and we went down into the clouds yeah, the cloud in space, and I saw these orbs of light. And he said, look, and I looked, and I saw a flash of light, and I saw one orb of light become two. And he told me that this was the birth of spirits, that when the intelligence becomes self-aware, the feminine and the masculine separate, and they become spirits. This is the beginning of spirits. The intelligence is eternal when the masculine and feminine are bound together in the way that they are. But when they separate, there begins to be an aging process. And I was shown that in order to obtain eternal life, that, that God has found a way to seal the masculine and the feminine together at a certain point when they're ready for it. So that these two, male and female, are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which creates, um, it, it puts back together what was broken. And even though these two individuals are one in mind and, per, uh, and you know, beings, that is, they become one in spirit, and with the sealing uh, of these two by the Holy Spirit of promise, that they obtain eternal life they are restored to what they had before they fell. Now, because of the war in heaven and because people make different choices, that not these soulmates or twin flames don't always stay together. In fact, it's very rare that this happens where they stay together. But God wants all of the men and women to eventually get to this point where they can be exalted by being sent by the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, shown in the war in heaven for this earth, that there were many more females who were elect than there were males. Now, what does that mean? In the war in heaven, when Lucifer presented his plan and Satan presented his plan, the elect were they who never left the side of Jesus Christ. and they qualified for higher blessings, which the others did not qualify for at that point. And because there were many more feminine than there were masculine, God allows multiple women to be sealed to one elect man. That's why Joseph Smith was sealed to many women, but he was never married to them in a physical carnal sense. We don't have any DNA for children supposedly born to these other women. Emma uh, was the only one that bore Joseph Smith's children. So um, I don't believe that he lived polygamy the way the Young and others did, and I believe that um, he fought against the carnal polygamy and tried to teach them the higher law of polygamy, but they wouldn't listen, and they were going to do what they were going to do. And you know what? Because of that and other things, they were cursed and rejected according to Section 124 of the Doctrine and Covenants. 
So anyway, um, but God does allow plural celestial feelings or marriage for his wise purpose. And just because we don't understand that, I only understand that because God showed that to me in a first-hand, first-hand witness of what was going on and why these things are important. And I was shown many other things in that, that time when I was taken up. God showed me a ton of stuff. But that was one of the things that he showed me. So when I get back to these people who want to flip out about polygamy and they want to say it's an evil abomination and they want to desecrate the name of Yehov, Jacob, or Abraham, or any of the other polygamists, it actually really angers me. And I have to bite my tongue so much because I don't know how to tell you people I can tell you what I was shown and why God allows it, but you don't have to believe it because I'm just some crazy guy as far as you know, you know, but I can show you in the scriptures. But then people are like, well, the Deuteronomists, they changed the scriptures and they've got all kinds of excuses. And let me just tell you, if you hate polygamy because of your own cultural crap that you're dealing with, I feel sorry for you because you cannot accept or you cannot be come through the gate without accepting true principles. And if you reject true principles and then you call Jesus Christ a bastard because he came through the line of bastards, you know, or you call um, Joseph and Benjamin, well, they came from Rachel. They were the firstborn of, of Rachel. Well, Leah was the first wife. So Rachel's life, or wife, uh, her being a wife was illegitimate, according to you, and your screwed up idea of what adultery and polygamy are. And you know what? I'm not going to curse anybody, but you need to take that to God and let go of your anger and your hatred, because the only reason you have that it's because Satan doesn't want you to know about it because it is so very important. These things are extremely important. So Satan is going to attack it and try to slander and try to make it dirty and disgusting. And, and those of you out there who are fighting against polygamy, you're doing the work of Satan, not God. Anyway, let's see here. I don't care if I stand alone in this true principle because I'm standing on the side of truth. And if people don't accept that, I'm sorry, but I'm already used to people not accepting me. So the only thing that really kind of worries me a little bit is Jesus Christ was one of the candlesticks. So during a dispensation, there are three major dispensations, and there are dispensation heads, and there are dispensations within dispensations. So I'm going to reveal to you a mystery. When John saw the seven golden candlesticks, who are representative of servants of God, what he saw was the Father, the Son, and he calls them candlesticks because there is a great light around their head. If you had your eyes spiritually opened, people have seen it on me. They've seen it. Um, I've seen it on the Father and the Son. 
that these are the candlesticks, but there's four who come down in uh, each dispensation with the dispensation head. So for instance, Michael, who became Adam, was a dispensation head. During that dispensation, the candlesticks that were assigned to this earth were the Father, God the Creator, God the Redeemer, and God the Witness. There are three who are always the candlesticks for each dispensation. But there are four in each dispensation who are also considered candlesticks. And for the first dispensation, they were Enoch, Noah, Moses, and Elijah. And they were mighty and strong for this earth. During the second dispensation, the dispensation head was God the Redeemer, who we know is Jesus Christ. The candlesticks for that dispensation were John the Baptist, Peter, James, and John, who you know as these people. They have different names in Hebrew, but that's what you know them by. But they were the candlesticks of God for that dispensation, seven in all. For this dispensation, Joseph Smith came down as an Elias to prepare the way for the return of God the witness. He laid the foundation for that to happen. God the witness comes down, the house of God in order, and then there are others who come down who are also mighty and strong to assist in the work and the gathering and the exodus and all these type of things. So, let's see here. And, you know, when I asked God what that was, I thought I knew. And I told him. And I remember the Spirit withdrawing from me. Because I was like, I was pretty sure that I was right, right? So the Spirit withdraws from me. And I'm like, okay, I repent of my false beliefs. But I have studied everything that I know how to study on this topic. And I've been trying to understand it. And God actually gave me the knowledge that I just told you. And then I told him what he had given me and got a confirmation of the Spirit, and they knew that it was true. So anyway, um, that was like in 2013 or 2014. I can't remember. Anyway, the New Testament writers confirm these manifestations of God to Abraham by writing that the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham. Acts chapter 7, verse 2. This indicates Abraham was a prophet of God in every sense of the word. He made no serious errors in his lifestyle, so it was written that the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Plural marriage was not limited to just Abraham, his family, or his children. Abraham's brother, Nahor, had a wife, Milcah, who bore him eight children. See Genesis chapter 22, verses 20 through 23. And also a concubine who bore him four more children. From this poor marriage came Rebekah, who, who married Isaac, unto whom the promise of Abraham were, given, were also given. We also read that Abraham had another wife named Keturah, 
Genesis chapter 25, verse 1. Some people contend that Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham for the purpose of having a son who would continue his lineage. Why then did she keep giving him more wives after she had already had a son, after he had already had a son by Hagar? We also read that Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines which Abraham had. No number of his concubines were given. It is very difficult to believe that Abraham was such a spiritual man, yet had not the gospel. Many ministers today can't accept the fact that, that the gospel and polygamy could possibly have any connection or affiliation with each other. But that is not so. According to the New Testament writers, we read that, quote, the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. And the law and faith were had by Abraham so he and his seed could receive the promises by obedience through righteousness. See Romans chapter 4, verses 12 through 24 but expressed more clearly, quote, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee shall, uh, shall all nations be blessed. Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. When Jesus recognized the spirituality of Abraham, when he said, quote, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. John chapter 8, verse 56. And now if Abraham saw and rejoiced in Christ, talked with God face to face, and had the gospel preached unto him, had the law and faith, then by being a polygamist, he must either have rejected God's word, or else God's word included polygamy. I'm sorry if you don't like it. Get off your high horse and humble yourself because you don't know what you're talking about if you think polygamy is adultery. The only reasonable conclusion is that God didn't condemn a man for having a plurality of wives. Furthermore, it must be the same gospel if the Christians were supposed to be rewarded in heaven by sitting down with this polygamist Abraham. It must be the same gospel if the Christians feel honored to be adopted into the family of Abraham and to be called his children. If Christians are supposed to have the same faith and the same repentance, same justification, and the same sanctification through the Holy Ghost, the same worthiness, beholding the same angels, talking and praying to the same God, it must be the same gospel. It is interesting to compare the promises God made to the polygamists and those made to the monogamists. Even if they are in the same family, the case of Isaac, son of Abraham, is a good example. What shall we say? Isaac had but one wife. It is a worthy are worthy of special notice, yes, a special notice that but little space in the Bible is devoted to his life 
in memory compared to those of Abraham and Jacob, both whom were polygamists. Okay. I'm like trying not to cough here, so. God changed the name of Abraham and Jacob and gave them more honorable names, but Isaac's name was never changed. Well, God promised Abraham and Yaakov or Jacob that because of their own service and faithfulness, he would bless and prosper them and their descendants. No such promise was ever made to Isaac or Yitzhak. <laughs> but every time God promised to bless Isaac and his seed because of Abraham's obedience, this reminds us of the wealthy gentleman who said to the poor widow, your mother was a friend indeed to me, and now I want to say to you, when you and your children need food or clothes, let me hear from you, and you shall have them for your mother's sake. Emma, can you please unmute your mic? I'm going to unmute Kim here. Yeah, okay. um, hey, can I'm you please unmuting. see why Arius is crying? Oh, probably because Lydia just brought him inside. Oh, is he visiting with you? Um, so he went back to, to go check you. the goats with mommy. You know, he wanted to go check the goats with me. Um, yeah. And then um, he headbutted Olivia, which made it made her upset. Um, I was trying to get her help with uh, Mama Goat and get Mama Goat in the um, in the field with her baby because they're separated right now. Um, but, you know, like any other 13-year-old daughter, she was probably more in it for the fact that my phone was with me. So, um, yeah, which, which reminded me uh -huh. that I forgot to get the disinfectant, so I'm running to the store really quickly just to... The family dollar, um, so I can grab some disinfectant because I forgot it and I need it. Um, uh huh. Jokes on her. Phone, she has COVID. Uh, so you, anyway, she can't um, use your phone. I messaged you and then you gave us all COVID. It's all your fault. Yeah, I gave yeah. everyone COVID. Actually, technically, Rob, if we're yeah. thinking about it, mom had it first. Mom. How dare, dare you? you? I just got <laughs> healed from it faster. I don't know why you guys can't just ask for a blessing. I can't bless <laughs> myself, Tim. Yeah, That's but I can. how it works. I know you can. So, um, anyway. So. so that's what I'm doing right now, and um, that's probably why the baby is upset. And um, also, Lenny <sighs> is upset. And you will probably... I'm done have to help out with that whole situation when we're done with the radio show. <laughs> yeah, uh, she doesn't have any reason about her. She has a boyfriend, and she got grounded from the phone, her phone. So we give them phones when they go to middle school because they are in soccer and baseball and all kinds of other stuff, right? Yeah, all the things, So, yeah, yeah we made the mistake of giving them iPhones CEs or SEs or something like that. But we told yes. them they have certain apps on their phone. Well, Lydia thinks that Snapchat is perfectly fine. And as long as we don't know and she puts a code on her phone, well, guess what? Dad and Mom know how to get past her stupid little codes. 
and we have grounded her from her phone for having Snapchat in the past. But then she decided that she was going to be sneaky and go and put again behind her backs, and she yep. lost her and phone until next summer. And we're not yeah, but then she also her got onto her back. brothers. She also got onto her brothers and tried to use Google to get onto her account too. Since then, um, it was like right after then, and then mom blew up at her, and um, yeah. So now we're hard yeah. to know, but then she now she feels like she's entitled to take my phone or Emmett whenever she wants. Oh yeah. And if she if it, if you tell her no, then she throws a major fit. So, yeah. um, I'm pretty yeah, sure like a she just, yeah, yeah. So because she has she's 13 years old and she thinks that she needs a 15 year old boyfriend, which I'm completely yeah. against. I like the kid, yeah. but it's just stupid, and I'm sick and tired of it. But you know what? Yeah. These are the these are the joys of being parents. Especially with teenage daughters. Emmett, on the other hand, is going to be her chaperone. Uh-huh. Her bodyguard. I'm here, yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Emmett doesn't have friends. She has girls I have, that like, like two. Because he's smart. Yeah, people like me. I, I'm not for that. I don't like people. <laughs> well, you can have lady friends who are girls and you can have as many as you want as long as you don't kiss them. That's yeah. the rule. <laughs> if you kiss one, if you like one good enough to kiss her, then you need to cut it off with the other ones and don't play games because if you kiss, if you like her enough to kiss her, then you should probably be serious with that. But you're 16, so you should uh, just be a kid and stop worrying about all that stuff as far as I'm yeah concerned. that's too anyway, much drama so. girls are drama yeah, <laughs> yeah I agree with that sister. I have three sisters I know that you don't need to tell and me they cost money. <laughs> I know that too hey <laughs> <laughs> but they make uh, they make everything that is uh, you know like a house into a home food into a meal I don't know. All the nice things. <laughs> they're, ma- they're magic. <laughs> they if you make them mad, they can turn their magic into evil ways. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was wondering why I was hearing. <laughs> Not Kim. Never Kim. I was talking about my ex. And I feel sorry for her. Why am I going to talk about her? So. She had issues. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Anyway, so Emmett, um, I guess Hello. I don't hear Arius crying anymore. So I think he found something because I hear him playing. As far as playing, he noticed that no one was paying him. attention to him screaming in the room, so he stopped. <laughs> you know what? I think that he gets that way when mom comes home because he's all, "I want my mom," and he like has to pretend. Like he really needs her because he Yeah, he didn't need his mommy. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> he is angry. Hi, Arius. Oh, he's in I the room running. I'm sorry. Eliza, give him that. Yes, you go tell her. <laughs> he's so cute. Anyway, I'm gonna 
You guys mute yourself. I'm going to keep reading. Okay, so what's that? Okay, anyway. Oh, I just said it sounds good. I was just agreeing with you. Okay, we're only 41% through with the reading today. And I think, excuse me, I'm doing a good job, all things considered. I'll try to get through it. Um, why did God discriminate between Isaac and the polygamists? He does nothing without a good reason. Well, the first commandment ever given was to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And this commandment had been twice repeated. Although Isaac had been an exceptionally good man, he did not multiply like Abraham and Jacob, and hence the preferences shown the polygamists. And that comes from Marriage or the Bible and Polygamy by Reverend Summers, 1886, page 19. Abraham is considered to be a great prophet, a friend of God, and the father of of the royal bloodline. Consider, then, the following list of items that established him as an exemplary man and of righteous principles showing that God must have approved of his polygamous life. Number one, the Bible honors the names of polygamists more than it does the celibates or monogamists. Abraham was one of the foremost polygamists so honored in the Bible that his name was mentioned nearly 400 times. Number two, Abraham was honored by Jesus Christ more than any other ancient prophet. Or, for example, he said that, um, let's see here, Abraham went to heaven, see Matthew chapter 8, verse 11, Luke chapter 13, and, uh, 13, 28, and also Luke chapter 16, 22 through 31. This would not be so if polygamy were a sin. Most ministers today clasp polygamy as a sin, but Jesus and his apostles never identified it as such. Abraham possessed an exceedingly great faith in God and his commandments. See Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 22, Galatians 3, 6 through 9, Hebrews 11, 8 through 10, James 2, 21 through 24. Abraham could not have had such great faith in God if he had been a sinful man. Sin destroys faith. It is by obeying the laws of God that men develop faith in God. Since all the prophets and disciples of Christ have referred so often to Abraham's faith, it is evident that he was very obedient to the laws and commandments of God. Number three honored Abraham and his family when he said, I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. Genesis 17, verse 2. No monogamist, no monogamist has ever received such a promise. Number four, Abraham is honored by more people in the world today than any other ancient prophet. New Testament writers also honored him. Quote, Abraham was a friend of God, Second Chronicles 20, verse 7. 
in James chapter 2, verse 23. Abraham had great faith. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. Galatians 3, 6 through 9. Hebrews 8, or I'm sorry, Hebrews 11, 8 through 10. And James 2, 21 through 24. Abraham was to be regarded, highly regarded by his descendants. Matthew 3, 9. Luke 13, verse 16, and John chapter 8, verses 33 through 40. Abraham received a divine call from God. Acts chapter 7, 2, and 3, and Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Abraham received God's priesthood. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. Abraham made a covenant with God. Luke chapter 1. 73, Romans 4, 13, and Galatians 3, 6. 5. The Apostle Paul honored the children and descendants of the polygamous Abraham and understood that the, that the promise of God would be given to him. See Romans chapter 9, verses 4 through 14. 6. The children of Abraham are the seed of the covenant people of God. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Galatians chapter 3 verse 7. Those who have faith in the gospel are the children of, of the polygamist Abraham. Number 7. Paul, gives, Paul could give no greater recognition to the disciples of Christ, nor to honor, nor to honor of Abraham than when he wrote, and if he be Christ, then are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. 8. Through Abraham's faithfulness, his name was changed from Abraham to Abraham, which means father of many nations. Genesis chapter uh, 17, verse 8. Also, when his name, when God added the ha to his name, he was adding part of God's name, which is found in the Tetragrammaton, and he was actually adding, God was adding his name to Abraham. So it's Abraham, or the breath of God. So I think that's what we call He did that to Sarah, too. Anyway, number nine, God said to polygamous David, look now towards heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so uh, so shall thy seed be. Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. See also Genesis 13, verse 16. Number 10. God promised Abraham's children in polygamy that they would receive lands and possessions for an everlasting possession and also said, I will be their God. Genesis Chapter 17, verse 8. Uh, that in Hebrew, he's saying, I will be their Elohim. That's what it says. It doesn't say God. And Elohim is, it means, in Hebrew, it means mighty ones. So it doesn't mean the gods. I'm sorry if you think that. It's not what it means. Anyway, um, verse, or point 11 God respected the polygamous Abraham because he was always communing with Abraham. See Genesis 18, verse 33, 12. 
God did not curse Abraham for his other wives. Instead, he blessed them. Hagar was told, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for for the multitude, which means there's no way that she could number her own children that would come out of her because it would be so great. Anyway, that's in Bereshit or Genesis chapter 16, verse 10. 13. The polygamist relationship did not reflect any sin or cursing upon Abraham's children because God told him that I will make the exceedingly fruitful and I will make, make nations of thee and kings shall come out of thee. Genesis chapter 17, verse 6. We're on page 49 if you're reading along. I'm just going to check real quick. I think we got... We have 27 minutes left on the live streaming portion of the radio program, and I haven't really been watching the studio, but um, I think I'm just going to try to get to the reading because I know there's a lot. So we're 64% done with the reading for today. So on page 49, for those of you reading along, uh, 14. Even the angels of heaven honored Abraham and his wives in their polygamous family relationship. When family troubles arose and Hagar left home, an angel came to her and told her to return to the polygamous home. Genesis chapter 14, verse 9, 15, topic 15. The angel of God gave a blessing and promise, promised to Hagar if she would continue living in polygamy, he promised her a son and even told her what to name him. The name of that son was Ishmael, which means the Lord hath heard thine affliction. Genesis chapter 16, verse 11. If her polygamy were a sin, neither the angel nor God would have sent her back into that sin again. Topic 16. Sarah, who encouraged Abraham to take a second wife, was also remembered by the Lord and was blessed with a son for promoting that polygamous relationship. Although Sarah was barren, God blessed her with a child in her old age of 90 years old, Genesis chapter 21, verse 2, after she had given Hagar to Abraham. Topic 17. God withheld no blessings from Sarah for her part in the polygamous marriage. For he said, I will bless her, and she shall be mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Genesis chapter uh, 17, verse 16. Topic 18. God did not put a curse on Sarah's son Isaac for being born in polygamy. Rather, he blessed Isaac and all of his children after him. And God said, quote, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. Genesis chapter 17, verse 19, on page, and we're 72% done with the reading. And my voice box is getting uh, tired, but 
we're going to keep going until it gives out. <sighs> Topic 19, Ishmael, the second wife's son, was also blessed of Jehovah, our Elohim, when God said, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. Genesis chapter uh, 17, verse 18. And I think they're the twelve princes of Arabia. If, if I'm right about that, I can't remember. It's been a while since I've read anything about that. But So we have the twelve tribes of Israel and the twelve princes of Arabia. Anyway, topic 20. Abraham realized that God was certainly bless, blessing his polygamous family, although many ministers today still can't see it. So Abraham added more wives to his family. He next took Keturah to wife, and God blessed the marriage by giving him more children by the names of Zimran, Jokshan, and Midan, and Midian, the Midianites and Ishbak and Shua. Genesis chapter 25, verse 1. Topic 21. Abraham kept taking more wives, and the Lord kept giving him more blessings. It is written that the house of the wicked shall be overthrown, but the tabernacle of the upright shall flourish. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 11. Was Abraham an exception, or did God bless him and accept his polygamous wife? Topic 22, Jesus never condemned Abraham for any sin. If his polygamy was sinful, Jesus would have mentioned it. On the contrary, the Savior recognized that Abraham lived so righteously that men would be honored to be with him in heaven. For I say unto you, this is Jesus, that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the kingdom of heaven, Matthew chapter 8, verse 11. Topic 23. Why did Christ select a polygamist as an example for Christians to sit down in heaven with? Why use a polygamist as one of the choice features of heaven if his lifestyle be sinful, or if his lifestyle was sinful? On page 51 at 81% throughout the reading for today, topic 24. Besides the story of Abraham's life in Genesis, he is mentioned by many different Old Testament and New Testament writers. All of them knew of his polygamous family, yet they all spoke respectfully of him. 25. Jesus is identified as a son of Abraham, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. And God identified himself as the God of Abraham, Matthew chapter 22, verse 32. I have to say something real quick because the Spirit's pressing upon my mind. Somebody out there needs to The reason why the genealogy of Mary and the genealogy of Joseph doesn't match up completely is because genealogy of Mary was through her mother in the journey of Joseph was not her husband but her father Joseph that's why there's it seems to be an imbalance I don't know who needed to know that out there but I just felt like you needed to say something it doesn't contradict 
characters unless you read it without understanding. And like I've said before, the correct interpretation of Scripture belongs to God, not man. And if you're struggling with this idea that genealogy of Joseph and Mary don't match, like as far as the numbers go, it's because it's not speaking of the genealogy of Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, of Mary's maternal uh, grandfather and Mary's father in his line. So that's why those lines are different. I I don't know why. Somebody needs to. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, Jesus is identified as a son of Abraham, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. And God identified himself as the God of Abraham, Matthew chapter 22, verse 32. It exhorted his disciples to follow in the lifestyle of polygamist Abraham when he said, If you are Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. John chapter 8, verse 39. Hence, all those who do not recognize the God of polygamist Abraham and Jesus, who is his descendant, will probably be among those where there are weeping and gnashing of teeth when you shall see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourself thrust out. Luke chapter 13, verse 28. And why would you be thrust out? Because even as good as you are and even as much as God has tried to make you into one of his servants, when you go against this stuff because you don't like it, because it's against your traditions, and because you twist the scriptures, twist the, twist the, uh, the meaning of words around so it fits your narrative, you have become a Judas scout. I don't care how many times you've seen God. I don't know how many. I don't care how many times you've seen angels. I don't care if you had all of these grand experiences. As soon as you become a Judas goat and lead people away from true and correct principles, you become a Judas goat, and you can and will fall if you do not repent. Even Lucifer, whose name was Hillel in Hebrew, was the bearer of light and truth. So in Hebrew, Hillel, the bearer of light and truth. In Latin, we know it as Lucifer. It's just, we know at least, we know the Latin. So anyway, but this is a name and a title, which means he who brings forth light and truth. That's who Lucifer was before he fell. So he was a god, not exalted. He had not yet gone through the process of becoming a, a Christ or God the Redeemer. But he got all the way up to the point of God the Witness, and then he fell, and he became Hasatan, or the accuser of the brethren. And, like, he was all the way up there, and he fell. So I don't know why you think that you're so prideful that you can't fall. I even worry about myself sometimes. I wonder, you know, am I falling? Am I going to be a fallen prophet because um, I'm not doing what God has asked me to do or I don't understand things a certain way and I'm trying to work through this all like we all are. But I do know that the important topics like polygamy, plural celestial marriage, sealing by the Holy Spirit of promise, I understand how important 
they are. They understand why Satan has used his authority and his whisperings to try to slander and to denigrate and make disgusting what was pure and right in the sight of God. And maybe if you don't like that, maybe you don't belong where these polygamists are going to be because you won't want to be there. You can go somewhere else, I guess. But that's your choice. We all have free agency. Anyway, now, either Christ didn't understand what heaven is going to be like or else our modern Bible preachers don't because they will tell you that polygamists are not going to heaven. It will certainly be disappointing for many of those modern divines to get to heaven and see all the polygamists there. No wonder they will be weeping and wailing and gnashing their teeth when they see Abraham and other polygamists there and they themselves cast out. The Lord appeared to Abraham many times, designated him as the father of the faithful and a friend of God, but he was a polygamist. He must assume that God either approved of his plural marriage or else Abraham concealed it so cleverly that God never found out about it. But we know that his polygamy was clearly written down for all succeeding generations to read about, to study and to follow as an example. It doesn't take years of theological study to learn the reasons why. In fact, most divinity colleges can't or won't give any reason how much polygamy in the Bible going to like it because they're a bunch of damn Gentiles that don't deserve what God wants to bless them with. Anyway, you damn yourselves through unbelief. That's all, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I wish you'd repent, but I know that there will be a never-ending line of people who always come and try to fight whatever I'm saying. So, I'm tired of fighting with people. Anyway, When God appeared to Moses, he identified himself as the God who had appeared to Abraham, Exodus chapter 6, verse 3. When David prayed to receive answers, he prayed to the God of Abraham, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 18. No wonder these ministers of today have so many different churches, all contending against each other with so many different doctrines, they are praying to the wrong, wrong God. They're, they're praying to, uh, see, Rome hijacked early Christianity. So Yeshua, who we call Jesus, was a Hebrew Israelite. The Jesus that most of Christianity follows comes from pagan Rome, same individuals. They look very close to the similar whatever, but one is true and one is a lie. And it's just saying coming as an angel of light. And it's just, it's sickening. Rome hijacked early Christianity. And Joseph Smith was trying to restore the truth of Jesus Christ. But the people couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle so many things. that they They even changed things in the Book of Mormon, you know, to like make it make sense to them instead of trying to understand why God had it written down a certain way. Anyway, 
Abraham had occupied a significant, unique place throughout the world for nearly 4,000 years. To the Jews, he is the father of their nation. To the Islamic world, he is regarded second only to Muhammad himself. Quran contains 188 references to Abraham. To the Christians, he is regarded as a man of the greatest faith, and they genealogically trace Jesus as a descendant of Abraham, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. God, too, spoke very highly of him by saying, quote, For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, for they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. Now, real quick, we're almost done with the reading for today. I'm just going to open up the guest call on lines. There is only 10 lines available. When I first started doing this radio program, there was like 100 lines available. And we could go up to three hours. And then a couple of years ago, they cut it down to two hours. And they cut the lines down to 50 lines. But now they've cut it down to 10, and they want more money for less time. So I hope that we are grandfathered in because we're still getting the two hours. But the package that I have to Blog Talk Radio, it says No, they charge us. We're not. Sorry. <laughs> How much do they charge us? 400 Oh, they did this time? Yeah. Okay, well, they... Kim, yeah, what I did. was saying is that, uh, okay. What I was saying is that they have they've kept the same price, but they're giving us less time and less lines. And I don't know how much longer I'm going to be doing this. I'm just like I'm glad for the people who listen. Nobody does anything about it, and knowledge is worth nothing if you don't act on it. So. I wish I could just quit and dust my feet on the lot of the world because I don't anymore. I'm so sick of it. But um, I won't do that unless God tells me to. So Anyway, the salvation or damnation of a family depends on how it is governed. If the head of the family is a man of God, then his influence is felt by his family or wives and their children. Even those who may visit them will be afflicted by that influence. Such a man is worthy of a family. He has the right to rule his family so that they will be an honor to him and an honor to God. A man like that is worth is more worthy of five, ten, or fifty wives than a wicked man is worthy of one. God seems to think so. So must we. All right, so that is the end of that chapter. And when we come back on, we'll be in chapter seven. And uh, I don't really have anything to say after that. Um, Kim, did you have anything to say about anything? Other than the four hundred dollars I paid to do this program, that that nope. I don't 
Yeah, and it's not just $400. Like, you have no idea how many hours I prepare for this every day. You know, and it's just so much time, and I'm so tired. I'm actually kind of wondering if God gave me this sickness so that I could just rest because I just need to rest. You know, like, when God wants me to do something, he'll make me do it one way or the other. Do you remember when my truck would break down? Kim? Uh, Kim? Yeah, I do. Sorry. Yeah. And I'm always like, I wonder what he wants you to do this time or what, who he wants you to meet. Who <laughs> uh, you? Yeah. And I'd always be angry. I'm like, I just want to go home. And Kim would be like, well, your, your truck broke down because you're supposed to meet somebody. And then as soon as I would meet them, like, it would be like a really, really great spiritual experience for me and this other individual, whoever it was, sometimes those groups of people. And then my truck would be done, and I would go on my merry way. And I'd always be so irritated because I just want to go home. I don't want to be driving a truck out on the road. I didn't. I don't like it. I don't like being away from my family and my wife. And the schedule that I'm on now, I hate it. I mean, I kind of like driving at night, but for one, I'm tired all the time. And for two, my wife is gone. And I leave before she gets home. I see her very briefly in the morning, and, and usually she usually drives out to wherever I'm at and says hi to me for a couple minutes, you know, in the evening. And then we talk on the phone a lot, but... Uh, I don't know. I'm just tired of all of the things from top to the bottom, except for my wife. And I love my kids, too, even though they drive me nuts, like Lydia, with her dab chat and her stupid <laughs> girl drama. We love the kids. Oh, yes, we do not saying? like their drama and their bad choices. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? They have to go through it all, and I understand that. They have to learn. But I love my bad choices. choices. They're awesome. <laughs> Emmett's bad choices are that he will tell me he's going to do something, and then he won't do it. And then when I ask him why he didn't do this, he'll tell me, I never said I was going to do that, <sighs> which basically calls me a liar to my face, which, if you know anything about me, I hate liars. With a passion. So, anyway, we have little issues about that from time to time. But Emmett's mostly a good kid. Well, he is a good kid. He just has the, the lazy part of him. And you know what? I like to be lazy, too. So I just know that if I'm lazy, then things that need to get done won't get done. And that doesn't help anyone out. So... Anyway, all right, well, did you guys have anything to say about any of the polygamy stuff or any theological stuff before we end the program for tonight? No, I don't have a lot to I mean, we've been talking about polygamy for a while now, and and I feel like tonight I was just led in a different direction, so I already said all my piece. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, like we're just laying the foundation, and I don't like to go for this stuff. I really don't. It's like it's on the same level as blood atonement and uh, the race and the priesthood stuff. I don't like reading it. I don't like talking about it. 
I understand why polygamy is important, but I don't like I don't like arguing with people about it. And I'm so sick and tired of I'm just sick and tired of everybody and their stupid arguments. And one of these guys, he like gave me this um, he gave me an article to read about how Abraham wasn't a polygamist. And I'm like, I'm done arguing with you people. And he's like, did you read it yet? I'm like, no, I'm doing the radio show. And I don't need to study somebody's fan fiction to understand what the truth is because I've already gotten it from God. I don't need your ignorance, your fans of speculation when can stand on the rock of revelation, which God has shown me. So, I don't know. I just, I'm so tired. Whatever. I'm done. I'm done. And there's so many Judas goats running around who appeared to be good people that are just led to their Gentile ignorance. And uh, they actually become Judas goats, even if they're the most wonderful people. You know, they become Judas goats, and I'm sick of it. So, um, anyway, polygamy not lived in Revelation is an abomination. But polygamy lived by Revelation is a blessing. So, all right. We don't have anybody in the call screening room and nobody in the chat room, so I think we're going to end the program for today. So I'll mute everybody's mics, and then we will play the music. Thank you for listening, everyone. I don't know if I'm going to be on the program tomorrow. I feel a bit like crap right now. So I took some Mucinex, and I took some other stuff. So I'm doing all right, but I'm still in a lot of pain. So anyway, we'll see. I do it tomorrow. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening. Take care. God bless. Goodbye.